Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, we are so excited today to visit with our friend and yours, Ellen Pogamiller from our legislative team. Ellen, how are you doing today? I am I am happy it's Friday, let's be honest. <laughs> I was going to say, after this week, Ellen, how are yeah. you doing today? Yeah. It's a big yeah. week. Yeah. So um, we want to talk about the uh, vouchers um, because that's been at the forefront of this legislative session just uh, a couple weeks in. So talk to us about what happened, what happened this week. Um, so this week we knew um, the way bills work, a lot of times their importance is measured by the individuals who are carrying the bill. Okay. So um, in our case, we were watching, you know, a lot of voucher bills, but we knew that two vouchers in particular that were being pushed by Senator Greg Treat, who's the pro tem and the leader of the Senate Republicans. Um, we knew he had two um, voucher bills that as soon as those hit the Senate ed- Education Committee floor, that we were going to be nervous. And so um, on, I think, Sunday night, we saw that those bills would be up on Tuesday. And so it kind of pushed us towards, all right, we're ready to watch what happens in that committee and how they discuss vouchers. So they brought up both both of the big bills. Um, how how did that go? What was that conversation like? I didn't get a chance to watch it, so I'm... It was long, very long. Very long. <laughs> Catherine was in the room. It, it was um, not everybody was able to make it into the room. Let's just start with that. This, wow. these, these bills in particular, these two voucher bills um, were not supported by a lot of people. And so there were a lot of people who came to the Capitol that day to hear this debate, hear this conversation. And the and from so I heard something that stuck out to me. Because I, like I said, I couldn't watch it, but that that it was a broad range of people that came to oppose yeah. it. This was a a broad range of people that yeah. came, and we're not having it with this. We're talking administrators, school board members, parents, educators, um, the homeschool community who is not in favor of this bill. And um, not all of those individuals made it into the room, but there was a large group of people that wanted to see this debate, and so. I think there are two bills that we are watching. Um, Senate Bill 1647 is um, Senator Treat's bill that has been talked about over and over again through the state of the state and through the news, which is kind of a voucher bill that allows individuals to kind of have a savings account where they can receive money monthly um, each year. And it just keeps accruing, you know, it's a... it's kind of epic on steroids. And so that was that was the first bill that was being debated. This bill, um, immediately there were challenges, um, challenges linking it to EPIC and the Learning Fund, linking it to um, challenges with accountability as far as, as a taxpayer, how yeah. that money is being spent, how it's being watched, who gets to decide what is an educational entity. Um, and um, that that debate was the longer of the two, and it was an hour and a half mm-hmm. um, worth of questions um, to Senator Treat, which was very long. And Ellen, did you did you 
get the feeling that uh, the questions that were raised, especially there's a lot of questions are raised around accountability, transparency. Mm-hmm. Did you feel that any of those were answered? I did not get a clear answer on that. Um, so I think there there isn't a lot in the bill that demonstrates how we um, are going to be accountable to those dollars like our public schools are accountable to the dollars that they have to spend. And the vote was incredibly close. Yeah, so the way committee votes work is you have obviously an odd number of people. We have 13 individuals on the Senate Ed Committee, and then they have officios, which are two individuals that Senator Treat and Senator uh, McCourtney who can come in and vote on any bill um, as needed to for tiebreakers or whatever um, happens. So um, after an hour and a half, the vote was being taken. I felt like kind of I was like in a um, movie if you're really into politics. You know? <laughs> Most people you're- would be like, that's not a movie I want to watch. But for me, it was a movie I'm totally in. So, I, had my, I had my tally marks going. I was man, like, whoa, people, we're close. This is it. You know, they go through the names. They say your name and you have to say yes or no. So it gets down. It's a 7-7 vote. And Senator McCourtney walks in and votes in favor. And so the bill passes out of the education committee eight to seven, but in a, in a way that we can demonstrate a huge win is that this broad coalition of individuals who called and asked their legislator to vote no for a myriad of reasons. Yeah. And these individuals listened, they understood the impact that this voucher would have on their community, mm-hmm. whether you were in rural Oklahoma or in Oklahoma City public schools, it didn't matter. This would negatively impact the dollars going to your school. And um, legislators were not in favor for the most part. That was a bill that showed there is not broad support for this legislation moving so forward. So when you look at this committee, um, there were 15 votes taken because of two ex officios. So that I do a quick math here. So that's really 13 members on the committee. There is only three Democrats on this committee. So it was bipartisan mm-hmm. objection to this bill. Absolutely. So um, that one passes because of those two ex officio votes. Mm-hmm. Then there was another one that came up. So then the second bill was um, the, it's the um, F school voucher, which is mm-hmm. basically if you've attended, I attended, I would put in loose quotes um, for those listening at home. I'm loosely attending um, students who have enrolled in an F school who, and an F school is a grading system that um, the state um, set up. And the last time we've actually had that grade is 2018, 2019. So we're, yeah. it, even in this, as I describe it, it's sounding weird, but Basically, if that school is an F school, um, individuals can receive a voucher after attending that school. There is no um, nothing in the bill that talks about how many days you have to attend that school. Um, we know that two year or an 1819 um, Epic one on one high school, which had 7000 students at the time, this was pre COVID. Um, was an F school. So anybody who is enrolled in Epic High School through them could then qualify for this voucher um, and they can use it on any private school that they choose. Uh, and, you know, one of, there are a couple of, I got a couple of things. I got a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, one, <laughs> one thing in particular that really, that really stands out to me is 
that the, the A to F grading system set up by the state grades on a curve. And so you have to, there are, there will always be F schools. There have to always be F schools. And when you look at the numbers, that's about 90 sites in the state that have, at least that have to be designated as F. Federal law requires that we designate at least 5% of our schools. And in our state has, in our state plan, our ESSA plan, we do identify 5%. um, And that's a lot. I mean, 5% is a lot. Like you said, Carrie, it's 90. And I I think we did just, um, this would be the prior two-year data point. So 2018, 19, 2017, 18, however, that math works for the school year. And we um, just looked at counties. So again, this is two years combined, but F schools represent 37 counties across the state. So I think a lot of times when we talk about F schools, and I believe there's an association at the committee level that really pushes as if those schools are only in urban areas. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely not true. These F schools are across our state representing a variety of size schools, location of schools, all of those things. And and here's been the interesting thing since 1819, right? Schools haven't even had the opportunity. They've been, they've been working on their plans. They've been, don't get me wrong, they've been, they've been receiving funds and been working on their plans, but they really haven't had the opportunity to say where I'm at. So there's this lag of what it could be. And, and good Lord, will there be changes because of the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So another thing that I wanted to bring up is that Oklahoma already spends a lot on vouchers compared to our neighboring states. Absolutely, that is kind of one of those things when we talk about what we're top 10 in. Um, We are definitely regionally top in our region (laughs) for giving money to private schools um, through vouchers. So um, we have lots, as we like to reiterate all of the time, we talk about we students don't have choices and I'm at a loss every time because we have plenty of choices through transfer, through charter, yes. through virtual, through yes. Lindsay Nicole Henry, they're through equal opportunity scholarship. Which open we, transfer to your any school within your district, out of your district. You can, we have lots of choices. Yes. So we are flushed with choices. Um, I heard someone say students have lots of choices and then schools have choices on who they pick, you know, and it's mm-hmm. not, it's yeah. not. Private schools yeah. can discriminate. That's right. Yeah. So um, there's something I want to kind of, that I wanted to talk about when we discuss vouchers, there is a lot of terminology that gets thrown around. And people say, no, these aren't vouchers. These are education savings accounts or some other lovely frou-frou language about it. So can you kind of tell us what, what, what is the right term? Are there multiple right terms? Like, why is there a difference in what we're actually calling these things? Because in my mind, they're vouchers, but not everybody calls it that. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, what we are talking about is vouchers. Mm -hmm. Vouchers are taking public money and allowing individuals to take that money to their private choice. Um, 
and they're using education savings account. And I think it actually makes it sound worse because it's a savings account that you can keep growing and put money in and use at your discretion um, with very little oversight. Yeah. It's a it's kind of like a voucher on steroids to me with even less accountability to the state at large. So what does everybody, what's, what are some things we can do this weekend to help out? I mean, I say weekend because I enjoy leaving voicemails because I'm a weenie and I'm scared. <laughs> After five o'clock, you can leave I, a voicemail. <laughs> so that's what I do. So for what, what can we be doing, Ellen? Let's, what are the things we need to be doing right now? I mean, I, let's start first with the positive, right? Mm-hmm. We had such a strong coalition of no votes. And yes. we are so thankful for those individuals. So my first thing would be for everyone to reach out to those senators, um, J.J. Dossett, Joanna Dossett, um, Senator Pemberton, Stevens, um, who Becker, Duggar and Stanley, yes, Stanley. And, and, and Hicks. And S- senator Hicks. Hicks, who's my senator? Thank you all, um, who all voted no. So that's that's stop number one. These mm-hmm. bills, um, we d- the two bills that passed, they could go through appropriations. Maybe they head straight to the Senate floor. So um, because of our um, not clearly knowing where these bills were land next, we're asking individuals to contact the Senate Appropriations Committee members and ask them to vote no on okay. these vouchers. But also we can't put all of our eggs in that basket because it could skip that process and go straight to the Senate floor. Well, I, the, and my question, my question every legislative session, why do we have processes when we just ignore them? That's just my own personal yeah. aside. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. And, it, and it frustrates educators because we like rules and we like to follow the rules. Yes. And, and you, why would we have them? <laughs> so break the rules. Could, so we say whatever to the rules and it could go straight to the Senate. Yes. Okay. So we're just, let's, you know, cover all of our bases yeah. and, and, and reach out this weekend and ask those individuals to vote no. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you, Ellen. And just as an aside, before we let you go, um, Ellen will be taking over as co-host for me on uh, Fried Okra. And we are so excited, Ellen. You're going to do a wonderful job. It's going to be so fun. Um, and I'm really, really happy that you're going to do it. It's going to be great. You know, we already gave her that permanent seat a long yeah. time ago. So Yeah, it's permanent, permanent. Now, I, now you um, get it. <laughs> I'm really excited. And I am very sad to see my colleague, um, Carrie, move on. So I, you have paved the way for this podcast. And I am appreciative of your work and your vision in ensuring that we get this form of messaging out to individuals who care about public schools and it makes a big difference. So thank you. Well, thank you. Well, I will, we will continue. I will continue to advocate for public ed because you guys know how I feel about it (laughs) strongly. So, um, yeah, public, public ed advocates are not done with me yet. So awesome. Well, thanks y'all. Today, we're going to do something a little different for the second half of the show. Instead of interviewing another guest, I'd like to talk to you directly about educators. One of my absolute favorite teachers of all time, Robert Nelson, died this month. He was my high school band director. 
Mr. Nelson was a legend in my small town. Short and wiry, tough as nails, known for his booming voice and his pile of marching trophies dating back to the 60s. There was a rumor that I 100% believe, by the way, that Mr. Nelson smoked in his office and all the administrators were too afraid to tell him to stop. My sophomore year, I was a drum major and absolutely petrified of embarrassing myself. It was a cool fall night in rural Arkansas. We were well into learning our show for the year when we got to the song I would direct. I climbed up the step stool onto the podium, turned and faced 120 of my classmates on the football field, took a deep breath, raised my hands, and completely messed up. I started the band at a ridiculously slow tempo, maybe half speed. Mr. Nelson stopped me. Do it again. I messed up. Again. I messed up again. This went on over and over until I saw him pop out from behind a tuba player like a wind-up toy, furious, bouncing, and yelling. I finally got it, but afterward I apologized. He told me not to be sorry, but he was angry I had gotten in my own way. I knew how to do it. I was ready. I just panicked and didn't trust myself. Boy, howdy, did that man know how to cut to the chase. Now I understand. Not only did he expect students to succeed, he saw it as a foregone conclusion. It was on our band shirts. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. And excellence to Mr. Nelson, like so many good educators, was far beyond getting the notes right or winning a trophy. Excellence was working together, acting with intention and integrity, loving one another, and recognizing our own potential. It was about music, but was it really? By my senior year, I was allowed to take our pep band out to the basketball stands and lead the show all by myself. He'd usually meander into the gym, maybe direct a song or two, but then he'd head back to the band hall. But other than that, I got to be the leader, a real leader. It made me believe in myself in ways I'd never admit as a high school kid, but I felt proud of who I was. He saw that in me before I ever did. It was a gift he handed me that probably no one else even noticed. Mr. Nelson will always be part of who I am. He was so special to me, but so were many of my teachers. So were many of yours. I know you have your own Mr. Nelson. Political rhetoric can confuse us because it's so loud. Some folks make a sport of pushing bad policy and trash-talking public school employees and filing bills designed to demoralize educators. But let me tell you the good news. That is not real life. Your students are real life. There's a kid for whom every single adult in her life told her she was worthless, except you. There's a kid for whom it all went wrong. The world crashed down around him, and you carried him out of the wreckage. There's a kid whose life you saved. Really. There's a kid whose career started with you right in your classroom. There's a kid who made you laugh every day, and he learned it was okay to laugh too. There's a kid who felt safe enough in your classroom to be fully herself. After they graduate, students will tell stories and laugh about your weirdness and your quirks. 
They will bemoan group projects or hard tests or all those stupid laps you made them run for breaking team rules. They will remember that time you hugged them and told them it would all be okay. They will friend you on Facebook. They will hope so badly that their children will have a teacher just like you. They will drive 700 miles just to say goodbye when you pass away. I know all of this because I'm one of these kids. And I'll never forget Mr. Nelson. Or Mrs. Bergman. Or Mr. Thomas. Or Miss King. Miss Griffith. Miss Minky. Miss Zink. Mr. Arnold. Miss Ducat. Coach Caldwell. Mr. Hemi. Mrs. Reed. Mr. Henderson. Mrs. Gamble. Mr. Hamilton. Mrs. Quick. Coach Rodriguez. Mrs. Brantley. Mr. Snyder. And all my other teachers. No one can ever take that away from me. No one can ever take that away from them. Public school employees are the background of their students' memories. Your classroom, your school bus, your library is the landscape of their childhoods. No one can ever take that away. I hope you always know that deep in your heart. I do. So let's just take some time and catch up with Catherine. Uh, we just had uh, another civication dinner in Tulsa last night with yeah. our TCTA folks. And man, it was a, another, we thought Muskogee Tahlequah at the bar. Oh no, it, it just, it's just getting better every time. And legislators were there. And you know, here was the beauty about it. We were, because we had so many people, we were at, you know, different tables and we yeah. just had conversation and, and that's where you build that relationship with them. You like just, normal humans. Yes. Is that what yes. you're saying? Yeah. And just, uh, we had like adult dinners and oh. um, yeah, one of those, <laughs> one of those things that you don't get to have have happened very often right and and somebody's waiting on you and cleaning up afterwards yeah. and you know bringing you food and tea very, and water and very fancy it was awesome but we've got oh this next week is a big week we've got one on tuesday uh the 22nd that will be in norman and then on the 23rd wait for it there's going to be one in more and then on thursday we're going to be down in marlowe for a dinner there but go on our website okea.org slash civication. Remember, it's not a word. We made it up. It's C-I-V-I-C-A-A-T-I-O-N, civication. Civic education smashed together. And, and, you know, next week is public schools week. And this is where we're really kicking off our civication. Come to the capital civication, that piece. Um, We're kicking that off on Monday. Uh, And so go on there, get registered. Um, we're going to be Monday night, come in, we'll put you up in a hotel room, feed you Tuesday morning. We'll do our briefing, have a great, healthy, wonderful, hearty breakfast for you. And then we'll go over to the Capitol and, uh, do some more relationship building and talking with our legislators. And that breakfast includes biscuits and gravy. (laughs) Biscuits, biscuits and gravy. Some people around here feel very strongly, you guys. And so, just know that other things in this world may change, but that biscuits and gravy is going to be happening every Tuesday. You know, it doesn't matter if it's the pandemic or whether we can, <laughs> we can persevere and be resilient because we have biscuits and gravy. Yes. 
what makes it work. And and like I said, you know, next week is public school week and we're kicking it off. Uh, our PLAC, our Parent Legislative Action Committee around our state has been working hard and uh, they're going to have a, I think it's, it's on the second Red Fred, floor. Red Fred Day at red, the Capitol. I, I have been saving all my red for next now, Oh my gosh. All I my ordered, red. I ordered their t-shirts for me yeah. and my daughters and we are going to be there. Yeah. Um, much to my, my middle schoolers chagrin, we will be matching <laughs> Oh I, yeah. So no, loved no. when my mother made us do that with my three <laughs> sisters, said Catherine, never. Um, <laughs> but but check out our website at okea.org slash PSW22, and you're gonna find a week's worth of activities where we can just you know, this is a time that we should be, that we, every week should be public schools week, but we need to celebrate it. We yes. need to publicize it. Um, we need to stand up and reclaim our public schools. Yes. So, so doggone it. Um, that's what we're going to do. And then don't forget, whoo, I'm so excited. Uh, we, we made the decision last Friday. We are having the organizing conference in person. I, and we have a virtual option, so don't yes, worry yes. If, you, if you're not able to yes. do that. Um, but we're going to be coming together on the 25th and 26th, Friday and Saturday. And the agenda is just mind-boggling, exciting. It's good stuff. <laughs> it is. We have two keynote speakers um, on Saturday, Dr. Ted Dentersmith and the National Teacher of the Year, Juliana Urtubey, um, that will be with us. And in each of those sessions, not only are they going to be, you know, delivering a keynote, but we're going to have time for Q&A with them. So, uh, cool. so, so exciting. And then Carrie, uh, just on a personal note, I, you know, little things just touch my heart always. Um, it doesn't take much for me to just do a fat, ugly cry, which I'm not. <laughs> Because there, no one should see Catherine do an ugly cry. It's not pretty. But I just, I just want to say thank you. Uh, you know, when I took office in July, you just pulled me in and said, "Here's what we're doing, and we're doing this podcast. And it's going to be great." And it has been the best it's journey so to be on the podcast with you, and just um, it has fulfilled every one of my expectations. Plus the incredible job you've done and with our communication mm -hmm. staff. And, Thank you know, uh, we are so appreciative of what you're doing and uh, we know where you'll be. And uh, yeah. I just want to know, does the Science Museum, can adults ride the segways? <laughs> I don't know. I don't okay. know because I'm mostly afraid that I'll break my arm on yeah. them. So I haven't done it. So I don't know. Not, not to worry, but if they do, I'm, I'm going to ride one. And then if they don't let us do that, we're going to go over to the zoo and feed the lions. Because okay. I know you're going to make connections and be able to do that. Oh, so. deal. <laughs> deal. We'll do both of those dangerous activities. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Carrie, you are loved and appreciated, and you are always welcome here on the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Catherine. Good Lord. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that was very, very kind of you. Um, we want to say thank you to Ellen Pogamiller for joining us today. And we look forward to her hosting soon. Uh, and thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. And thank you for letting me 
be a part of your week. I have been so proud to do it. I'm Carrie Copernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.